Oh my god! <laughs> show, 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 show me this guy. What, what the fuck? No! Oh my god, no! Oh! Oh, oh my oh. god! Oh, yeah, cannot be unseen. Oh Hello and welcome to Unfunny Nerd Tangent. This is episode 79 and today we'll be talking about everyone's favourite Pixar films, the Toy Story series. My name is Greg aka Captain Boomerang and yes I am mint in box but when I'm not scouring garage sales for antique toys or performing voice box transplants I'm hosting podcasts like this one at least while my skunk mobile is in the shop that is and with me today to help discuss all things plastic and Mattel from Phoenix, Arizona, he's a timid T-Rex trying to find his roar while also constantly dealing with the struggles of raising his barrel of monkeys. He has an odd affinity for porcelain lamps. He cries when he hears Sarah McLaughlin and can't understand why his space command communicator doesn't work anymore. Don't make him mad or he'll glare at you with his angry eyes. From attackofthedad.com, he's Tim Hockney. Greg, you know about my thing with He-Man. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Hashtag Dolph for Randall. Yeah. Oh, Dolph! Dolph! <laughs> it's been cancelled. Oh. Uh, anyway. It'll be back. He man, you can't keep He Man down for long. Maybe, right. I, maybe I still have a thing. Maybe I still have a thing with He Man. It's, no, it's never really over. You got some unresolved feelings there. Uh, and also with us. He's the scourge of Sunnyside daycare, and when he's not wrist deep in a bowl of Cheetos and watching kids' shows from the 50s, he's practicing his motorcycle poses, ready to ditch the US and become Canada's greatest stuntman. In the meantime, however, he'll have to settle for late-night card games inside the vending machine and leading his creepy army of ventriloquist dummies. One day, we'll convince him he's not a real person and just a misinformed action figure, but until then, he's the super Jew, Jared Rubinovitz. I can do this with my eyes closed. <laughs> I figured you were going to put, give me something with Duke Kaboom because how could you not? Exactly. Motorcycles, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Keanu. Crashing, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Toy Story 4 is now out in theaters. But the first movie, if you can believe it or not, happened way back in 1995. And, uh, yeah, it was the first ever full-length 100% CGI movie. And, really, it's, a, it's a, a true pioneer in the realm of animated films. But in 1995, where were you guys and how did you come across Toy Story? I, I was nine years old. I, I don't remember how he came across it other than, like, it was a movie playing. And right about that time... My sister was about six, so we were just about the target age for going to the movies and being able to sit through something like this. Uh, so I think my parents just took us. Yeah, I was, uh, I guess I was in the eighth grade. Did it come out in the fall? I'm trying to find the exact release date for it. But I know um, a friend of mine from grade school, junior high, shout out to Aaron Drake. Uh, he's totally listening. Um <laughs> He's watching He-Man. Yeah. He, he brought a bunch of he brought a bunch of eighth graders to see Toy Story for like his birthday party. It was his birthday party in the eighth grade, and it's like, and on the way in, it's like it's like this. This is what we're doing. Like we're you know we're like thirteen year olds. Like you know this, and uh, and then on the way out, it's like oh yes, fuck yeah, this this movie, yes. 
it did kind of have a bit of that where it was like people wanted to go see it, but they were like, it's a cartoon, it's a kid's movie. And they're like, yeah, but it looks awesome. Like, I'm still going to go. So, yeah, I, I went and saw it. I was 16. I was just like, I'm going to go see Toy Story. It looks great. <laughs> so, but, I mean, the idea of toys coming to life when no one is around was it wasn't really a new idea i mean it's 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 the basis of like a million horror movies so um and the first movie even touches on that at the end for a bit but yeah like what what pixar and and disney achieved with that first movie like it really is nothing short of astounding even when you look back at it now like the the impact that that first movie had in pop culture i don't think it can really be understated as far as um like animated films go and it's it's i mean i'd put it up there as far as like kids slash family movies and stuff like i would put it up there with other classics like sort of wizard of oz or snow white that kind of thing what do you think yeah i think it definitely gets in with that you know really that like uh the disney movie group you know Mm. the the cinderella's the you know snow white's the aladdin's those type of movies i think is where it kind of gets its ranking in um but yeah it was a really significant movie and i feel like you know it kind of was the the cap on like a huge period of like new developments in cinematography like really if you look at certain like with star wars and all the stuff ilm started doing you know then it was in 70 late 70s through kind of the eighties with like what Cameron was doing, like Terminator and stuff. And then kind of Toy Story and Jurassic World kind of closed that off. It is like, okay, here we're at that next, you know, stage of movie making. It's gotten better from there, but I don't think we've really had a, a huge evolutionary leap since then. Like those seem like big leaps in what you could do. I just don't know that we've had something that significant since. And it was a, a turning point for Disney too, because they had they had, they were sort of coming to the end of their renaissance that they had in the early '90s. And like after, like they, the Lion King had come out a year before Toy Story. Then Pocahontas came out that same year. And and I think even at the time, you knew that Pocahontas was a problematic movie dealing with real life historical figures and trying to sort of Disneyfy a story that like is you know is 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 very fraught with uh um a lot of issues that i can't explain all of right now (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and from there um you know the the traditional animated movies that they released after that were um you know hunchback of notre dame hercules mulan and those movies get they, they they seem like they've aged well like they they certainly all have their stands uh, out on Twitter at Mulan, especially, I think uh, gets a lot of love these days. Szechuan sauce. Szechuan sauce. Yeah, that's 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 very very true. You, you know what I found in the back of my cabinet the other day? No. Yeah. Oh man, guess what I'm stealing from Jared's house before I leave. <laughs> guess what's here yeah, coming soon to the Dates podcast? <laughs> oh no, we've already, we've already done Szechuan sauce. Yeah, but, but, but we'll how, do it again. How does it hold up after a year? That's right. One <laughs> Szechuan sauce. One year later, fermented Szechuan sauce. <laughs> We'll yeah, I, I know what you're saying though, Tim, with that sort of that late '90s uh, or mid to late '90s sort of run that Disney had. Like, besides The Lion King, um, 
yeah, those other ones like Hercules and things like that. They, I mean, Mulan was quite big, but it, it still it wasn't Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't The Little Mermaid. It wasn't these sort of massive. It wasn't like this massive, massive um, classic. But then, yeah, Toy Story kind of comes along, and it's like, oh, you can do like computer movies now, <laughs> okay? And then we sort of got a bit of a run of those here and there, like, but obviously not as good. It really sort of took off. Like the animation is sort of what made it take off, I think. Um, and the, like Pixar have obviously always been sort of the the pioneers of this kind of stuff. Like it's the the Toy Story series especially has always seemed to have been like almost the benchmark of of Pixar. Like the the first movie obviously came out, and and even when you look at it today, you can sort of see like, oh wow, this didn't, this is this wouldn't cut it today in a few scenes like here and there but in 1995 i mean that shit was incredible and each pixar film like improves on the last as far as animation goes but like the toy story movie seemed to be like this massive leap each time so i think that sort of helped there was talk about pixar being very savvy about working within its limitations it's like that you can make you can do cgi at the time any of your characters were going to look very plasticky, so why not just make them toys? You know, and and people kind of point out that like they like by the time they got to Monsters Inc., that was because they could start doing hair. You know, and there's yeah, there's been a couple of videos about this, like how much humans were problematic, which is why we really only saw legs and stuff a lot or, or hands. Like yeah, there was some real like we had we had Sid in the first one, but Sid was kind of this caricature of a bad kid, and yeah, and so he. You know, he was he was the the human who got the most, I guess, uh, screen time. But but moving on now, like you know, Toy Story four, you see how far they've come uh, in that that kind of opening action sequence where there's you know just water rushing down the the culvert mm-hmm. in front of the house, yeah, and and uh, it's you know it looks real, yeah, yeah. That opening shot of the house in the storm, like that was like you really had to look at it and go, oh yeah, okay, like. I know it's CGI, but if that had just been the opening shot of some other movie, I don't think I necessarily would have been like, oh, that's a totally CGI shot, like until you see the characters and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, the water especially, like um, there's a shot inside the room and um, the, you know, the rain is sort of hitting the window pane and stuff like that, and it just looked like any other movie to me. So it really has uh, come along in, in leaps and bounds. But... The first movie, I think, really kicked off and sort of became like this well-loved classic, like it, it, mostly because of the characters, obviously. And, and I mean, even back then, like getting Tom Hanks and um, Tim Allen to be like the main two guys in this sort of animated toy movie, like that was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And those two, really, that was like peak for both of them like Hanks was that right around you've got mail and all that well he had he had already won back-to-back Oscars for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump yeah okay yeah and then Toy Story came out as well so he was he was kind of yeah yeah and Tim Allen obviously was he was 90s you know, he was the '90s guy for a while. Yeah, so. that was that was the peak of his popularity that, when, when that, Home Improvement yeah, was in its early season, going strong. And that was right around the the first Santa Claus too, wasn't it? Maybe it was. Maybe the Santa Claus was a little later in the '90s. Close to it, I think. Yeah, but yeah. but he he was an in demand 
guy at that point. You know, it was one of the biggest. Yeah, Santa Claus was was ninety four or something. Yeah, like so, so again, right in that timeline where he's he's one of those guys, and it was you could point to this as being the moment where people who were professional voice actors were just fucked. Like they they just weren't yeah. going to get work on feature films anymore. Well, that that was the other thing that like people, you know, with that you know, it was a big shift in in animated films that they were getting these big name actors to come in and do this stuff. It, that was not the trend at that point in time. Like even with Disney stuff, they were not using the big names as much. I, I don't feel like at that point. I don't think they had no, done they anything. Weren't. So, so it, you know, it, it was a big. That was another shift in was, that. Well, I guess like Pocahontas came out that same year, and Mel Gibson was in it. Talk about uh, like if it wasn't problematic <laughs> enough already. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they got Mel Gibson to voice uh, John Smith, but but yeah, really. Um, you know, Robin Williams, I guess, is the genie in Aladdin. Like just before yeah. that, um, mm. I guess I guess that was like maybe two and, big features earlier. But and maybe that was kind of what open the door to this is how much acclaim Robin got for that. Because, you know, when you look at guys like, you know, Tim Allen and Tom Hank, you know, Robin Williams was kind of a leader in that group because, you know, he started with, you know, Mork and Mindy and stuff and was then get transitioning. That's kind of similar to what um, Tim Allen was trying to do. It was kind of a similar path going from a sitcom, you know, stand-up comedy to a sitcom to there was a there was actually a really interesting um, YouTube video that I saw. I'll have to try to find it so we can share it. Uh, just covering sort of how Robin Williams had agreed to do the genie basically for scale because the animators had had drawn something up to uh, match the genie to his stand up to one of his stand up routines, um, and he was so impressed with it and just thought it was so funny and so good that he wanted to be a part of that. Uh, and so he was basically doing it for nothing. But at the same time, he was also doing the voice of uh, of Batty and Ferngully, uh, and Ferngully was kind of a passion project right. for him because yeah. he because he really believed in the environmental message of that movie, and um, he had this major falling out with Disney executives, and he didn't want to be like made into toys. He didn't want his name to be used uh, in like marketing materials and stuff like that. But I think what Disney learned was that they could just like market the shit out of a celebrity name um, with, with a movie. Cause, cause they ultimately did that to Robin Williams. They were yeah. like, well, f- fuck it. We're going to, you know, we're going to put his name on everything. And um, you know, Aladdin obviously was a, a very successful movie and, and now is again. Uh, as, well, that's cause we're just reliving the nineties. Right. This point. Absolutely. We're just yeah. getting our, our childhoods <laughs> served back to us. One movie ticket at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody, yeah, somebody I think... said that marquee, what was it? It was, Child's Play, Aladdin, Men in Black, <laughs> Toy Story. Toy Story. Yeah. And what, there was another one there, too. Godzilla. Was, Godzilla. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, I, I remember this period in life well. well and, <laughs> uh, and and Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff in charge of yeah. the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen 10 different versions of that meme. Yeah. But what, what, we, what we don't have is Puff Daddy rapping over uh, Jimmy yeah. Page. That's that's what we need right now. <laughs> I'm surprised it'll be Kanye. Yeah. Oh, I'll take it. Kanye and Mothra. It'll be it'll be like it'll be Kanye teaming up with like Joe Perry from Aerosmith or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that. Yahweh song. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I mean if we just look at the characters 
from that first movie. Like, I mean, Woody is sort of Woody and Buzz are obviously the two that everybody loves the most because they're the two that are the, the big, you know, the main characters. But yeah, Tom Hanks is is pretty much perfect as Woody. I think he gives that like his his tone of voice and the way he sort of freaks out at the right moments and things like that. Like he, uh, yeah, it, it 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 it's you can tell like you get a really good actor, obviously, like Tom Hanks, but he can do the sort of crazy, silly stuff that that you need from from Woody once you remember. Like, oh, that's right, he's like a, a pull string cowboy toy as well. So, you know, the lanky arms and his head's too big for his body and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he... he, he but uh, have, with... I say, he couldn't have hit that role much better than he did. It, it, and, you know, you can kind of see trace a direct line back to big with him, him doing that, you know. He, he's always kind of had that charisma for the childish things. It's not like he's, mm. he's not childish. But when, when in a role where you, you need to have that kind of enthusiasm with toys or kids stuff or as something like that, he's he's always been able to do that. Yeah, he has a great he has a great shouting voice. Like it, it just like it sounds cool when he's shouting. Like, you know, like League of Their Own, like where he's just constantly yelling at all <laughs> Gina Davis and all the <laughs> the baseball ladies. You know, like just all that shit. There's no crying in baseball. Like and he's just all that. Like. His voice for that sort of stuff is perfect, and so yeah. obviously for he's, he's it's the same sort of voice when he screams at Buzz, you know, you are a toy, like he's just yeah. screaming at him. It's it, it works really well. Yeah, he's he's able to yell and be lovable at the same time. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and that is definitely a skill. <laughs> oh yeah, any other like there'd be a lot of other actors in that A League of Their Own movie that you wouldn't you wouldn't still like him in that role because you'd be like this guy's awful like yeah. <laughs> he does treat him all like shit and he's like a drunk and he he doesn't give a fuck like you know and he wouldn't you wouldn't still like him but because tom hanks you're like oh yeah he's still kind of you know he's still there <laughs> he, he winds up being that emotional like pivot point for that movie too because in the very end when you know spoilers like he we find out that he's died you know yeah. I, I remember i remember like at the theater i was a kid i was getting choked up you know, he's he's the abusive alcoholic father I never had. Yeah, that that's that scene where um, they get the letter that one of the husbands has been killed in the war, and like he he takes it and look, he's the one to read it and find out who it is, and he sort of walks along the line of all the all the women, and it's like, oh, sorry, whoever it is, you know. But it's like he he gets it because the guy walking in is like, oh, I got a letter for someone. I don't know who it is. And he's kind of real flippant about it. And it's like, yeah, but it's one of these women have just lost their husband. And then and you, and the guy delivering it is just like, oh, it's just another letter to deliver because like, he's done 100 of them. So, But that scene, I think, is sort of your, your pivotal point for Tom Hanks in that movie. But, yeah, it flows through to, to all his movies where he sort of um, you do empathize with him and stuff like that. And in and in the first one with with – Woody and Buzz, you get that buddy story. And, you know, it, it, I think it works really well where you have Woody is sort of afraid of being replaced by the the new toy and all this kind of thing. Like he's he's the, um, you know, it's the, what is it, the, the first wives club <laughs> type thing. <laughs> but, but then it's sort of flipped on its head because you get Buzz, who's this character who actually doesn't understand that he's a toy and like that idea to me was just genius having 
like Buzz Lightyear as thinking he's the real Buzz Lightyear. And then and, and Tim Allen, of course, he's perfect for that role, as they showed in like Galaxy Quest. It's he's sort of perfect for the uh like Captain Kirk sort of um spoof. I also want to add that Tom Hanks is just a national treasure. Like when he's when he's not acting, when he's on Jimmy Kimmel and they're having him shoplift a uh uh, standee of himself from the store on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> he's he's just walking down the street, just being nice to everybody. Shouts out a couple of girls from St. Louis uh, about the Stanley Cup victory, and just <laughs> just the, the type of guy who like if you bumped into him on the street and talked to him for thirty seconds, it would make you feel better about your entire year. Yeah, and he'd probably make you feel like you were his new best friend. Yeah. It, the, one of the best, I keep thinking about the picture of the dude passed out at the table with Tom Hanks next to him because he's <laughs> in the bar. And the friend's like, when you missed your opportunity to meet Tom Hanks. Oh, no. Have you seen yeah. that one? You seen no. that one? Yeah. On, I'm yeah. trying to find it for oh, him. That's sad. And he's, yeah, the guy's just completely out of it and Tom Hanks is there, all smiles. <laughs> just yeah, laugh. here it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just a kid. Yeah. Oh, no. He's just face down there. It looks like a plate of pizza or something like that. Oh, man. That's a rough <laughs> night. So what about the other characters of, of that first movie? Do you have any sort of standouts? Like there's there's Rex, who was um, Wallace Shawn, which is such a funny <laughs> idea that you've got his voice coming out of this dinosaur. Um, same with uh, Don Rickles was Mr. Potato Head. As well, that was that was quite funny. Yeah, I thought uh, Rickles was great as Mr. Potato Head, and still, you know, one of the better performances. Oh yeah. And then I guess I guess this was uh, the the moment where John Ratzenberger entered the Pixar <laughs> franchise. Yeah. yeah, this was the beginning of his quest to be one of the uh, the biggest, highest grossing actors of all time, right? <laughs> Despite being in every Pixar movie, <laughs> but yeah, he's very good too because he is essentially um, Cliff from from Cheers in <laughs> as a pig <laughs> money box. So that's that's yeah, you'll love those characters. So, but yeah, I um oh in, in America think... we call it a piggy bank, Greg. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like they're all pigs. Yeah, even even <laughs> even when they're not pigs, they're still piggy banks. Yeah, anything that a kid can put money in, really. <laughs> I would just grab my wallet. No, it's a piggy bank. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think those characters obviously had Slinky Dog and and Bo Peep, who obviously has a big part to play in in the fourth movie, which we'll get to. But all of those sort of characters sort of help round it out. I think as as um, you know, great supporting characters to to the whole Woody and Buzz. Um, Buddy story, especially since like they all think that Buddy uh, Woody has killed Buzz at one point, <laughs> and you know he's always jealous of you know what does he say or oh, laser envy, you know all this kind of stuff, and um, yeah, trying to to take the room back from Buzz and all this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, a couple of highlights from the first movie I wanted to touch on with you guys and, and see what you thought. Like we mentioned, uh, how Buzz doesn't understand he's a toy, like. I said, oh, I think that's a, a genius idea, but I really liked his actual like identity crisis that he has later in the film when he learns the truth and sees the commercial and realizes he is a Buzz Lightyear toy because you get drunk Buzz 
<laughs> at the tea party which is amazing and then you get depressed buzz which i know it's sort of you know depression is not a funny thing but in the movie like just the way he doesn't give a fuck i just think like it it, it was handled really well especially the tea party like that that was just brilliant and i want to shout out the, uh, the little alien guys as well they're just a a perfect example of how good pixar is at these character designs <laughs> And being able to make a thing that you just want, like like could, were those any... the first, I thought those were the second or no the, the first the, the when they go to Pizza Planet and Buzz is stuck in the claw machine. That's how he oh, winds up yeah. at Sid's house in the first place. Because mm. um, he yeah, yeah, he he leaves the house to get on the pizza van, right? Is that? Um, I think that's the plot point, but that's definitely the first movie. I I wasn't able to rewatch them because Disney is holding them back for their uh, streaming service, I believe. So it's uh, not available. Andy has a, I thought Andy had his birthday party or something. He goes to Pizza Planet and then, um, yeah, they sneak out of the car. Oh, and yeah, Buzz, Buzz sneaks out because he, he thinks this is part of his space mission or whatever to get back yeah. to, to Star Command. Yeah, and then they end up in the, the, um, the claw machine with the aliens and then, yeah, um, Sid ends up getting them. Yeah, so. but those those aliens though, like you, it was impossible to see that alien and not just be like, I have to have one of those. <laughs> oh, they were on people's cars for years and years yeah. and years after that first movie, like on the on the tow bar and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, the the reveal to Sid is sort of interesting now when you look back at it as well because they don't really the the that was never sort of done ever again. Like they teased it in the in the fourth movie with um ducky and bunny but the uh which again we'll get to but the reveal at the end where woody's like you know oh we're going to break the rules this time and all this kind of stuff and all the the sort of smashed up mutant toys all sort of come back to life to to freak sit out it's just like going to be the mess of a kid after that <laughs> but i thought it worked pretty well yeah they, they established certain rules that we kind of are learning about as we go right like we we come to understand like through the genesis of Forky, I guess that, that something comes to life when it becomes a toy, but other inanimate objects do not. It has, it's something to do with a special relationship between people and toys. It's a child's love, Tim. That's yeah. what it is. It's a child's <laughs> love. There you go. But it's not because toy, like toys in the package are still alive, right? Like utility belt buzz is still alive, even though a child hasn't played with them yet. Same with Ducky and Bunny. Yeah. Fine then. <laughs> I don't know. Way, way to ruin what I was going for there, Tim. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. Jared was trying to be like nice and sentimental for a change. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm <laughs> never, done with that. Never shit. again. Yeah. No. <laughs> can't believe I tried um, that. I think obviously. Sorry, Jared. Go ahead. Oh, I just said I can't believe I tried that for a few minutes there. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah we, and we do. We, we get a lot of. Uh, you know, many of the villains are toys that have been scorned or unloved in, in different ways in all these sequels. Yeah, yeah. Kicking off with the next one, they sort of have the, the toy villains. Um, but yeah, I think obviously like a real highlight for the movie was the the, the finale with uh, um, on where they're riding on RC, the, uh, the remote control car, chasing the moving truck with the, you know, the, the rocket um explosive and fireworks and all that kind of stuff like that especially at the time 
to have sort of like when you know most of the movie it's just woody and buzz and whoever else kind of walking around and running and chasing each other or whatever but to have a full-on like essentially a car chase uh in this animated movie in 1990 computer animated movie in 95 like that was a pretty big deal and for it to come off so well and and the animation and everything i think that's a another big highlight of the first movie well there's a lot of significance behind the success of that first movie not only like with pixar at that time steve jobs was the majority owner of pixar and then pixar went public made jobs a ton of money even though he was almost ready to sell pixar just before Toy Story came out. It's when he started hearing that Toy Story might be successful that he pulled back from selling it. That led to the deal, you know, they had, Pixar had the deal with Disney. And then it ended up leading down the road to Pixar being sold to Disney, Jobs becoming Disney's largest single shareholder. And really the, his work with Pixar, and that is part of what helped propel Jobs back in Apple. Like the success at Pixar and he was having with that and being able to run a company like that, they actually, uh, it was part of the calculus and bringing him back to Apple. Mm, so, there you go. It, and then it also explained, you know, Apple and Disney had a fairly cozy relationship for a while because of Jobs' involvement with Disney. And to this day, I still believe that his wife, uh, his widow, is the majority shareholder of Disney. I believe Lorraine Powell is still the biggest hmm. shareholder in Disney. Hmm. There you go. So, so it's all, all to, yeah, it's all because of Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dominance that that all started somewhere. <laughs> I wonder how many yeah, of those shares think... uh, George Lucas owns at this point. Is oh, that, yeah. Did they pay him in stock? No, because no, when Jobs bought him. Pixar from Lucas, it was cash. Wow. We paid him for like $4 billion in cash. No, oh, when, Jobs bought it from Jobs oh, no. bought Pixar from Lucas. No, when I'm talking about when Disney bought Star Wars from Lucas. Oh, oh, because that was, oh, a, yeah. it was a four billion dollar deal. Yeah, he might. I, I thought it was, was like cash. half half. Like yeah. I thought it was like you know two point six in cash or whatever, and the rest in stock or something like that. But see, yeah. I mean, it's as good as cash, really, if it's Disney. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I, I remember when Jobs got. His Disney stock, he got a seat on the board. I don't think Lucas is on the board. No. Nah. He doesn't want to be on the board and they don't want him on the board. Yeah, they don't want him on <laughs> <laughs> Just as well that they, he got that sale too because I know George Lucas was really hurting for money before then. So <laughs> it's like, oh no, I only own he, Star Wars. <laughs> he wants he wants to build like a $1 billion museum where he can just show off his Norman Rockwell paintings and movie memorabilia. So Lucas had it looks like Lucas had a, a peak about a two percent share in Disney. Jobs, I know when Pixar the Pixar deal closed had seven percent. So that's a junk. That is a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Well, before we before we move on to the second movie, I did want to just touch on the music because that was sort of another major thing from that first movie was that you know Randy Newman and the uh, "You've Got a Friend in Me" song. I mean that that song in that movie sort of really like brought home the themes and everything of that story but it's it's like that song is synonymous now with not only toy story movies but i think like disney and pixar in general now like you hear that song and you're like oh yeah it's like yeah you, that's the cartoon song like, you you hear that and you picture woody and buzz and 
Like th- that song is one of those, it's up there with those other like iconic movie, you know, animated movie songs. Mm. And just, it, it's easily identifiable. You know where it is. You know who it is. Like it's not any question. It's, everybody knows it's Randy Newman. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think what's, what, what, what's funny about it is like most of those classic animated songs are sung by characters in the movie, whereas this one isn't. It's just a song like over the top. Like you do in any other movie is you, you have, yeah. you have yeah. music. You don't have to have the characters sing. So Yeah, like the Lion King songs and, you know, Snow White and, and all this, like Beauty and the Beast, all of those songs, all those like classic songs that people remember, they're all sung by Apple Watch. <laughs> I don't know why my watch just chimed in there, Thanks, but Apple. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> so, too too much talk about Apple. They're on yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> listening yeah. in. Show is over. That's right. You're fine yeah, too, like, Tim Cook. We love you. Wink, wink. I like, yeah. I like Tim Cook. Yeah. I still uh, have your stock, so sell more iPhones, Dan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, all those songs are sung by characters in the in the in the in the movies, and yeah, yeah, we have Randy Newman sort of just I, popping in. And I have such, like, such mixed feelings because it works. It works so well, and it keeps working well. They just use the same Randy Newman song like over and over again. It was in this movie, and it becomes like this shorthand for the way that Toy Story makes us feel. It, it, but it's almost like the theme song of the franchise at this yeah. point. It, it, it's not that bad. Like, although it's not, because it's, it's you. Greg was just talking about how all those other songs were sung by the characters, but even with this song that wasn't sung by the characters, you instantly equate it with Woody and Buzz. It is. T- it is so tied to those characters as much as all those other songs. What the, the reason? The reason why I'm upset, and I'd probably have railed on this before on previous podcasts, but in 2010, Randy Newman won the Oscar for best original song for whatever the fuck he wrote for Toy Story three. Now you couldn't tell me what that song was. You know, is it just you got a friend in me again? Is it? Is it? Was it a new song? Nobody fucking knows or cares. But that was the year that fucking Scott Pilgrim versus the World came out. And had like the best oh. music of any movie ever. Oh, for fuck's sake! And and it didn't not even original get nominated. Music. Not original music, though. No, it was original music. It had um, uh, Beck wrote a bunch of songs that were actually performed by the characters in the movie. They learned to sing and play those instruments uh, just to play like their kind of fuzzy, you know, uh, garage rock songs that we got in the movie. So those songs like Garbage Truck, that's just those kids playing those songs that Beck wrote for them. Mm. So so anyway, yeah, that's 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 my <laughs> my angry nerd tangent. percent more people saw Toy Story than, than I think you said you, you meant four thousand people. But I but I think that uh, the 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 fact that it got snubbed for all those awards, like you know, getting getting even a, a nomination or any kind of Oscar consideration could could do a lot for a movie like that to kind of help elevate it above just the kind of low level cult status that it has today. It's a fucking great movie. And I didn't enjoy it that much. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Get get out of your house. (laughs) Yeah. That's not how this is going to work. Tim. (laughs) Take your Szechuan sauce. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) No, leave the Szechuan sauce. (laughs) I'm staying. Yeah, I'll take your money, yeah. but I won't play your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back when The Simpsons was great. 
But yeah, the, the second movie, I mean, with all, all of these movies, essentially the toys end up some in some kind of adventure away from Andy and the house. But like this one was a bit unique because we got a backstory for Woody that we never knew about or even sort of thought about. Like, oh, where did Woody come from? What sort of toy is he? It's like, no, he's just a toy cowboy doll. But then they gave it like the, the whole Woody's Roundup um backstory where they, they were toys made from the show and all this kind of stuff but it like it really worked i thought as far as as like like expanding the universe if you want to call it that and it makes you wonder just how much of it was sort of planned out in advance you know like there's there have been a lot of really interesting fan theories to unify the toy story movies um i've heard people say that they think that jesse was like Andy's mom's original toy and that was why she like sought out a Woody for him when he was born and and uh um somehow like the the original Jesse like worked its way back to to Andy's mom that in the first movie like his family is going through a divorce that we don't see because it's happening off screen um it it gets pretty deep anyway and sometimes a little dark and dark yeah I've yeah, seen I've seen things. That. It's like, oh, Andy loves Woody the most because, yeah. like, it was the toy that his dad gave to him before he died, and all this kind of stuff. Oh shit! It's like, fuck! It's like yeah. maybe it's just like it's essentially a cartoon. Like most Disney stories, there's only one parent, you know. And but then I guess there are a lot of Disney stories. Where yeah, you, you do not want to be dies, a parent in a Disney movie. That is, yeah, your uh, your lifespan is not long in Disney. Nope. Uh, yeah, just, just a, be, yeah, superhero parents yeah. and Disney parents. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, who, who even survives Disney movies? You got like Simba's mom, King Triton. Um, I guess Pocahontas's dad, I think, makes it through. But he, you know, once again, <laughs> not for long. Yeah, once well, again, yeah, we get smallpox. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. smallpox every time. <laughs> Smallpox blankets. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> the real villa. The real oh, villa. Wow. You went there. <laughs> well, it's important. Mel Gibson was very charming in that movie, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but having uh, having Woody be like the object of obsession by this greedy toy collector who's played by um, Wayne Knight, of all people, <laughs> which is great. Like, I thought that worked really well um, as well because, like, almost ahead of its time in a sense because, what was it, 1999? But, I mean, you look at, like, collecting the collecting environment in today and everything's, you know, all, all comics are bagged and boarded and, and, and people don't people buy toys and don't open them and all this kind of stuff. And it's really sort of taken off, like, a thousand percent compared to 20 years ago and yet all the stuff that that sort of um that's al his name is the collector all the stuff where it's like oh look and he's got his hat with him and all this kind of stuff and he gets the guy in to repaint him and restitch his arm and all that kind of stuff like that all sort of hits home pretty well i think as far as like the nature of toy collecting I think that hits a little more home for you than for the rest of us <laughs> we've seen well, your uh, toy well, collection well, I've opened mine, <laughs> but I've I've been man I've I've uh, I talked probably a lot about these Imaginex toys, which were these Batman toys made by Fisher Price. I think they still make them. They're slowly disappearing from 
from shelves. They also make now like Jurassic World. They make Toy Story toys actually. So if you're buying Toy Story toys for a small child, Imagine X is a really high quality toy for kids ages like like uh, one and a half to four or something like that, preschool age kids. Anyway, I've been in like an aisle of Target looking for Imagine X toys and having to fend off like a 50 year old guy with a ponytail who's you know like like the comic book guy from The Simpsons manifesting himself in real life looking through these toys trying to get the fucking martian manhunter and plastic man two-pack uh so i can't get it which is uh you know my son just wants to play with these toys and i want to make sure that he has a good encyclopedic knowledge of the whole dc universe but this guy is just trying to sell them on ebay <laughs> yeah. Unless, my, yeah my intentions are, are really pure here you guys <laughs> trying to collect all these obscure characters. One of them was also hey. there was there was a Nightwing uh, set that that was very hard to get. That was exclusive to Target stores in the U.S. and um, it took us a really long time. I forget who even came with Nightwing, but oh, uh, Deathstroke. Uh-huh. They couldn't. They can't call him Deathstroke on the on the kids package, obviously. So it's Nightwing and Slade. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Wilson. Right. <laughs> but yes, never underestimate the nobility in him educating people about plastic man right everyone needs <laughs> yeah. to know but if you haven't talked talk to your kids about plastic man <laughs> he's awesome <laughs> yeah i mean when the second movie came out and even for a few years afterwards i always thought it was the better of the two but uh, re-watching them sort of over the years and, and even recently like it it doesn't hold up as well as i initially remember it but i mean it's still great but it's just not as good as i remember it and Definitely not as good as uh, the original, or certainly not as good as number three. But I mean, it did have some highlights as well. I mean, I think the opening space adventure with Buzz that event eventually reveals that it's the video game that Rex is playing. It's not, you know, it's not. You think like, why is this happening? Why is he flying through space? And then it turns out that it's just a video game, and and Rex can't get past level whatever seven or something. Like that was pretty cool. And like the first of those type of things where we we start to see like the the playtime with the toys as as though they're really happening, which I think they do a really good job with in the third one as well. I also remember the second movie just having some great laughs. I just I remember it just being consistently hilarious throughout. They brought in even more pop culture stuff, all the Star Wars references with Zerg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the whole, you know, he turns out to be his father. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. It's like, I'm going to play with my dad. And off they go. <laughs> they have like, they have the opposite of the Luke Vader confrontation where Luke doesn't want anything to do with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these two go off and have like a great father son relationship. <laughs> but yeah, that, that. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> Buzz, Buzz uh, walking through the Buzz Lightyear aisle as well with all the like you said tim with the utility belt buzz and all of them in the package think that they're the real buzz light year as well because they're brand new that sort of that worked they're all in what do they call it hyper sleep or whatever <laughs> they think <laughs> that and uh we got new characters of course in the second movie we they they kept their promise from the end of the first movie and we actually did get mrs potato head which um again perfect casting i can't think of a name at the moment but basically george's george's mother from seinfeld like oh, the, um, the perfect partner to go with don rickles 
Why can't why can't I remember her name no, right I, now? I can't either. But yeah, she's is it Estelle something? Oh, anyway. No, she, her name her name in Seinfeld is Estelle. Oh, there you go. Um, hang on, I'm finding this because it's gonna bug me. <laughs> um, but we also got uh, um, look because we got the Woody's Roundup characters. We got Bullseye the horse. Oh, it it really Estelle, it's Estelle Harris. So it's, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I have, a, I have a friend who goes to Disneyland a lot and plays this one particular game and has won like, it's it's one of those games where you like roll a ball into a hole to make a horse move faster. And she's won like a million different bullseyes in all different colors. <laughs> she's got like numbers, numbers one through 12, because I guess you get the horse that matches your, your horse if you win. Yeah, the bullseye was good. But then Joan Cusack as, um, as Jesse was pretty perfect as well, I think. Like that, that was a good character to have in the movie because Joan Cusack's always pretty funny, I think. Yeah. Don't forget to check her on. Uh, um, oh, why am I? Shameless. Oh. Yeah, J- Joan Cusack and Shameless was. Uh... That's a roll. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's seen that, they'll know what I'm talking about. But what was that season one and two of Shameless? I'm putting that on my list. Don't watch with the kids around. I'm just nope. saying that. <laughs> saying that right now. Yeah. Look, it's Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think having a, the Jesse character though, like the the fear of going back into storage and sort of this like this play on isolation and claustrophobia and all that kind of stuff. Like it's pretty dark in some places there where it's like, oh yeah, but that sort of that sort of highlights the, the the themes of the whole series really where like these toys like need to be toys if they're just sort of doing nothing they just they're they're miserable essentially and like that flashback that you get with um jesse telling woody how you know the, the kid that she had uh grew up and left her behind and all that like that's one of that's still one of the saddest moments in like any movie i've ever seen and of course they add fucking sarah mclaughlin so like to just fucking <laughs> drive it home it's like oh fuck like that's that's still pretty fucking sad to watch yeah well you put sarah mclaughlin behind just about anything it becomes sad you just have like tim's just sitting there eating subway you put it to sarah mclaughlin suddenly it becomes incredibly depressing oh it'd be, it'd be sad if i was eating subway i'd be I, that, that, that's depressing on its own <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> But the, the second movie, though, does give us the first, like, toy villain as well because you get, I mean, you love Kelsey Grammer, Tim. Oh, yeah. So, so you get, we spoke about how awesome he was as Beast on the last episode. That's right. We didn't even but get like, into the Sideshow Bob work that he's done. Yeah. That's right, yeah. But, I mean, you get him as, like, Stinky Pete the Prospector. <laughs> like, but he's the one, like, he's worse than Al as far as the, like, obsessed collected things go goes because, like, He's he he wants to like stay in the box and just be on display in some museum in Japan. Like it's you know he's got Stockholm syndrome or something. Yeah, yeah. We get we that's and that's the one that starts to getting us into some toys that are like really kind of emotionally damaged. You know, and we and we're going to see a lot more of that. That's going to be important, an important thread in all these sequels as we get you know Lotso and then uh, Gabby Gabby in the next two movies. Yeah, and I think like that sort of the second movie, like we said, like I it, it didn't sort of hold up as well for me as well as I'd initially remembered it over the years. But 
it does like the second movie does actually begin like the two of the major sort of story threads that carry on through uh toy story three and then toy story four and one of them is like the whole thing about like kids moving on past their toys and what happens to the toys after that and then that of course then sets up motivations for like the main villains in both movies where we get um the whole uh lotso is yeah it's kind of like this weird prison guy <laughs> but yeah any what do you think when they brought the third movie back because it didn't seem like there was ever going to be a third movie for a while and then all of a sudden it was like oh we're doing toy story 3 and everyone was like oh finally like it's it's happening yeah that was i remember that one was like we thought like all the main People have like moved on, like weren't gonna do something like that, and like, and even Pixar seemed to have been past it, and then, yeah, they just brought it back, like, yeah, um, I, I was kind of like whatever at that point. I don't know. Yeah. It was it was right before I had kids. I wasn't interested it in was, it, like, yeah. um. You know, I was I was real into Scott Pilgrim versus the world God, at the time. God damn. <laughs> um, but but then I mean, the, you know, the movie the movie came out and it just uh, uh, wound up it, it itself just like hitting hitting all the notes. Pixar just seems to get better and better um, at at striking these emotional chords. You know, they can they could pack so much emotion into such a short amount of time and the you know the beginning of up being the the classic oh, yeah. example that everybody yeah. that everybody uses but it's it's not um you know certainly not the only one not the only time that they've that they've done that um and and toy story 3 does not hold back on the gut punches yeah that was one i didn't even go see it in the theaters like i was not interested at all i think i ended up you know having like a date and watching it at home or something like that and it's it, it's, it's your princess bride what want to come over and watch toy story 3 oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah i don't even think it was one of those things where i said it i was like you want to watch? i haven't seen this like well let me see if i can find that on torrents because i was still a college student at that point and oh, i yeah. wasn't paying for anything um yeah I, I, and just remember that was not the the movie I was expecting and that date did not go the way it was planned. Because <laughs> <laughs> that movie was just a gut punch. It was like, oh, oh, okay, that's... Because uh... yeah, I guess before before Toy Story 3, Pixar really wasn't doing any other sequels. And after that, they've started coming out with a sequel almost every year. It's like part of their new, part of their release strategy where most years they'll do like an original story and a sequel. Um, I thought Cars Two had come out before. No, I was, I'm just I'm just looking at the list here. Cars Two didn't come out until the following year. Oh, okay. Cars oh, Cars Cars Two, which is the su- the superior cars, and I'll fi- I'll fight <laughs> Brian on that one. And <laughs> guitar salad. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, I I think they nailed the third one. Like I I wasn't sure how it would be because. You know what it's like. They do two movies close together and then, you know, a long stretch of time. And it's like, we're going to do a third movie. And you always sort of think, mm, all right. Like, more often than not, it doesn't work. But 
I thought they hit it out of the park for for Toy Story three. It's easily my favourite of of all four of them, and um, I just I just love that they send they send the kids to daycare, and which you think would be like this perfect paradise for toys who like Andy's grown up and is moving on. So you think, oh, okay, they're eleven, they're going to move to daycare because they they get to be with the kids like all day forever and all that kind of stuff. But then it turns into this like sinister prison camp slash concentration camp story and it's like oh fuck <laughs> and they seriously tease that all the toys are going to burn to death at the end <laughs> that's oh like, my god holy shit this is what the fuck like <laughs> yeah. it was pretty dark at points it's like i, I hadn't made that particular movie. connection greg and now it's now it's gonna be hard for me to think about toy story 3 the same way Oh, you see, that was all over the place when they when that movie came out. It was like it's the Schindler's List of toy movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because it was like, nope. <laughs> and given but Walt I mean, Disney's history, that's a little, uh, little, little yeah. touchy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I did like that we got um, Lotso as like the, another great toy villain because his motivation actually is pretty well fleshed out when you when you sort of – think about it like he feels slighted at the nature of being a toy and, and being left behind and this kind of thing so he sort of creates this world for himself at the daycare where like he'll never be forgotten again because all different kids you know come in and then they move on to the next class and a new batch of kids come in and they all you know that's just that they've set up like a class system in a sense as well it's like no no you you have to earn your you know earn your stripes to get to the to the whatever the the the, the four year olds or whatever, not the the toddlers. Oh yeah, the toddler room, man. Oh yes. When you when you start actually taking kids to preschool, you learn that like the the three year old kids, like they're they basically are just the 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 people in charge. All they do is change diapers. Yeah. Like for for those three year olds, it's it's not it's nasty work. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like with with uh, like characters as far as Toy Story three goes. I mean, you can't go past Michael Keaton as Ken. I mean, that was, <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> so the whole thing with him and Barbie, I just thought it was hilarious, like the whole movie. So just Ken having a different outfit for every occasion and even being like more Barbie than Barbie, essentially. <laughs> so, but yeah, any other, anything stand out for you for, for Toy Story 3? No, I really wish I'd gotten a chance to, rewatch it before we did this podcast but like i said was was not to be and i i actually did uh did give sam some crap i'm like you really have one responsibility in this house when it comes to movies and it's making sure we have all like the disney and pixar ones <laughs> and you swung and you missed on this one like we've got three copies of other disney movies the same disney movie but not a single copy of toy story to be found and uh yeah Shame on her! Like, really, shame on her. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have Toy Story three. I, I don't. I'm at this point. I don't know what movies I have. What movies I don't have. Tim, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we have no less than three copies of Cinderella in this house. <laughs> I believe there is a DVD and two Blu-rays. Wow. I, none I only, of those were I only purchased have Cinderella by me. On DVD. That's no, a... None of those were purchased by me. That, that's. <laughs> it's like, but we can't have a single copy of the Toy Story movie. Cinderella was also the like my family got a VCR for the first time concurrent with when Cinderella came out on VHS. And so uh, that movie just got the shit washed out of it. 
<laughs> and if you go back and rewatch Cinderella now as an adult, you realize that like the part of the story that you remember, like Cinderella and the prince and the stepsisters and stuff like that, that's about 10% of the movie. And like 90% of it is just the fucking animals, the cats and the mice. It's, it doesn't hold up quite as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like the never ending story. Like when I was a kid, you're like, Oh, not the horse. Oh no. <laughs> like not the horse. Like he's been in it forever. And then like you watch it now, he's in it for like about four minutes. <laughs> You're like, fuck the horse. I didn't even know him. Yeah. What, what constituted a long time to us back then is a little different than yeah. it is now. Yeah, yeah when you're a kid, right. you, could yeah. Just, you could just watch cats chasing mice for, you know, for hours on end, man. <laughs> As a grown-up, it gets a little tedious. Yeah. But the, the comeuppance for Lucifer the cat, that's still pretty good because fuck that cat and all cats. But especially that cat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with um i mean i i think toy story 3 is the best of them but i just i just really liked how um it, it opens with the 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 scene of andy's imagination and the whole like train heist and they it moves on to like you know ham becomes like this spaceship that zooms in over the top and you've got the barrel of monkeys are like sort of like this atom bomb that gets dropped on them and all that kind of stuff like it's just i think all that stuff works really well and then you get um some more toy characters as well that carry over into the fourth one like because you get bonnie's toys and they're all sort of counterparts to andy's so you have uh, bonnie hunt is dolly who's uh you know she's sort of running the room like woody does in in andy's and like jeff garland as, as, as buttercup like the stuffed unicorn that's pretty funny <laughs> And you can't go. I mean, you can't go past Timothy Dalton. Tim, he's one of your, the hot fuzz uh, standouts. <laughs> As, oh, um, uh, he's Mister Pricklepants. He's like the uh, oh, the, the hedgehog. Yeah, he's, yeah, everything's like drama theater in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, Timothy Dalton, then, who's also in Doom Patrol on DC Universe, which I don't shout out enough. Doom Patrol. There you go. Yeah. I'd watch that if we got it down here. It's, it's, got, it's got to be coming your way soon because it just ended. Um, oh well yeah through. we'll probably get yeah. it on netflix soon then because yeah i have to yeah. finish watching titans first doesn't get through that either anyway. and then and also Kristen shawl uh, as, as as trixie the triceratops she's just uh she was really hot off a of flight out of the concords at the time yeah i think and, yeah. and uh yeah it was just great to see her or anything yeah she does that sort of awkward weird thing like just yeah. <laughs> really well where it's like okay she's on the verge of being a bit crazy so but yeah I, I think how they handled the whole transition from like andy uh you know going to college and stuff like that and, and he hasn't played with his toys for years and like their attempts to get him to, to to like pay attention to them again is sort of it's kind of tough to watch almost because they're <laughs> like oh here we go like we'll call his phone and he'll open you know the toy chest and, and then we'll you know he'll pay attention to us again and it's like nah he doesn't care oh. <laughs> but then yeah having that like that whole daycare adventure uh story go on and then with lotso and all that but then you get um the the transition where andy then says gives his toys to bonnie and, and sort of off you go and i think i think that was probably the the perfect way to leave it as far as the series goes but i mean in the end we still got to toy story 4 which is fine but i think as far as perfect endings go i think the ending of toy story 3 was sort of the way i would have left it yeah, yeah. it just it felt very final hmm. the, the just being handed off to another kid like this was sort of the end of the 
the Andy saga or whatever. Yeah. It, <laughs> it also didn't feel like they needed to do any more with the characters at that point. I remember seeing that and going like, oh yeah, that's, that works. Like mm. that, that, that's, that's a fitting in here. I did like um, Buzz being reset to factory settings though. <laughs> he was like yeah. thinking he was real, real buzz like and Spanish buzz as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, we did end up getting the fourth uh, and latest and I guess last question mark movie uh, <laughs> for Toy Story 4. So, I mean, how did, this is one that we have all recently seen. So I mean, how did you feel about uh, Toy Story Four? Was it was it needed? Did you enjoy it? It wasn't needed, but I enjoyed it. Like I, I thought it was a an enjoyable movie. I don't think it's gonna get up in the rankings anywhere of favorites or best animated movies. But you know, it worked as a closeout to the story of Woody, and that's kind of I think that's where. Rather than reframe, you know, we thought they framed it through the Andy saga at the end of Toy Story 3 and we were done with, you know, Andy's time with the toys and moving on. But really, you know, they decided to make it the Woody story. And that's really what this fourth movie was. It was the conclusion of Woody's time as a, a toy for somebody as opposed to just a toy in general. Like... It seemed like it had that, that they wanted to tell the last, how Woody, you know, the conclusion of Woody. Because even Buzz didn't factor much into this. Like, I don't know if Mm. Tim Allen, you know, just didn't want to do that much or they were worried about a little backlash against Tim Allen or what was going on there. What's the backlash against Tim Allen? I've missed that. Oh, he's he's gone pretty far right wing and... Then when, oh, show, okay. then when a show that stopped being funny got unfunny and got canceled, they all he oh, and the rest of his trolls, yeah. you know, they kind of played that card, and there was just yeah, oh, okay. it was a oh, whole yeah, bunch of MAGA bullshit. His, really, his really show did a really weird thing where it was it was popular for a minute and then like really dropped off quick, like because it started to suck. Yeah, huh. like it, it. I watched it. Like I watched like the first season and a half, and then it went. This isn't good anymore. I mean, this it, it it happens more than you think with shows where like it'll it can be really popular and then just everybody loses interest really quick. The show drops off in quality or yeah, it, yeah. It, and it was just one of those things where like they kept change like the care the actual actresses and actors kept changing mm. and it was just hard to keep track of and like I can't remember who had it. I can't remember if it was ABC or NBC or whatever. And they were just like. Yeah, we're kind of done making this, and that and it had like a five six year run. It's not like it was a season and done, but yeah, and it was just a whole bunch of drama. And now it's on like con- the Country Channel. I, I don't I don't even know. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, um, okay. But I've missed all of that. Anyway. But going going back to Woody though, like the the way this movie opened up. And just throwing out this idea that like that Woody had this moment in his life where he wanted something that had nothing to do with Andy. Like that's just that was like mind blowing to me. I had never considered that that was in Woody's character to have to have a moment like that where he almost got in that box 
and and rode off with Bo Peep to wherever her next uh, stop was. You know, she's, yeah, was, you know, toys get lost back. all the time. That's uh, yeah, yeah. That was pretty full on, like because obviously, like the third movie, they sort of there's like there's only a few of the toys left and they do mention like you know oh people have gone and left and he's like and then and Bo and he's like yeah yeah Bo and it's like you can tell he's sort of upset about it so I think it was good to see that sort of flashback where you see Bo sort of get taken away um because yeah and then it, at first you sort of think all right well you know Bo's in the movie and they're just sort of showing you how she left but it really is the sort of the linchpin of the whole Woody story for this movie. Because, we, know, yeah, we, we don't really know what happened to her in Toy Story 3, right? She's just not in that movie. It's when they're getting ready to go to the attic or something like that, and they're talking about, um, you know, he, he says, look, it's fine, you know, we've lost people along the way, like, you know, so that's whoever it is, Wheezy and someone else, and then someone says to him, and Bo, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Bo as well, and they sort of, so you just know that, it's you just I just assumed it was through garage sales and and spring cleanings and all the kind of stuff that they sort of always talk about like you know there's always two or three toys that, that go so but yeah and then we actually saw that like uh Molly who's Andy's sister she just didn't care about the the Bo Peep toy anymore so they were like oh well and so Andy's mom gave it to yeah. some other random guy for for um you know for uh, for his 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 daughter, I guess. But she was also but, a lamp. That was it was a, it's weird because she's a lamp and she's porcelain. And is she a toy? She's she's the porcelain doll that's like yeah. part of the lamp. So it's part know? of the. I guess so. She's she has some posability or something like that. Like she's certainly got played with at some point. Yeah. Yeah, she's a porcelain doll, but she like like her stand is the lamp. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's her Barbie dream house. That's basically the it, she she gets a lamp instead of a dream house. Yeah, exactly. And weird three headed sheep. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's really just three conjoined sheep. It's not a three headed sheep. They, they have they have names, Jared. Yeah, they have names and distinct personalities. I understand that. So I'm saying it's three conjoined sheep. It's well, not it's, a sheep with three heads. But how many legs do they have? I didn't that, count. That wasn't clear. One, one less by the end of the movie, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that... Don't tape it uh, back together. <laughs> I thought they did a good job with that whole Bo Peep sort of storyline with, with Woody. Because I've seen people sort of a bit upset about the Woody thing. And it's like, but this is, like you said, Tim, like this is Woody finally doing something for himself after looking after Andy and, and then Bonnie, like all his life, like, and it sort of, it does complete Woody's story. Like he's, he's always been worried about being left behind and forgotten and stuff like that. Like since the second movie, because he almost leaves in there as well. He's like, Oh, I'll be fine. I don't want to get left behind. I'll go and be part of the, the set, you know, in the, in the museum or whatever. But then Buzz is the sort of one who convinces him like, no, Andy needs you and stuff like that. But, then you then you've gone through the third movie and Andy's completely gone. Like that surprised me. I thought at some point you would see Andy just to, I don't know, just to play up on that connection with Woody again somehow. But there's just it's just he's not in it at all, which uh, is fine. But I just assumed you would see Andy at some point. I, what is his Especially relationship? Like at the fairground. What is his relationship to Bonnie? 
I kind of forgot. Like they like was she a kid from the daycare or how did she I think there was some connection, like Andy knew her somehow. Like it was I don't know whether their parents were friends or they were like Yeah. I can't remember, but somehow somehow Andy kind of knew her. It wasn't just like I'll just there's some random kid, I'll just give her my toys. Yeah. <laughs> like my treasured possessions from a kid. But but yeah, I mean I think then you get Woody and like Woody is the one then that makes the choice to leave at the end of the fourth movie. So it's not like he's not left behind. He's not forgotten. He decides to leave because he sees that he's not necessarily needed as much as he was before. So And, and he gets like a happily ever after with Bo. So, yeah. I mean, I wasn't upset by it. Yeah, and in the end, he also he makes sure that, the, that Bonnie is taken care of, that she has Forky back. Who The whole time with Forky, mm. all I kept hear, seeing was like, you know, at the beginning was Mr. Meeksy's Existence is pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying. <laughs> follow through. The follow through. <laughs> but yeah, Forky, what the fuck? That was, that yeah. was, that was just weird. What, 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 what was great with Forky is like the first half of the movie, I'm trying to figure out, I know that voice actor. Who is that? I know that voice. And then when he's uh, doing the hair, he just has such lovely hair. I went, oh, it's Buster. It's Buster with yeah. Lucille. <laughs> and then I knew exactly I who it was. It was. Um, I thought it was Bill Hader at one point. I yeah, like, I think no. I, I yeah. thought that too. And then it, it took the, once the hair moment came out, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Buster. I know exactly who that is. I guess I, I knew it was Tony Hale. I've been... I've been pretty deep into Forky Twitter for a while now. It's, it's, That's it's a whole a, different thing, yep, kids. That, do not Google Forky Twitter. They're, they're, that can't be good. God damn it, Tim. I once, <laughs> I once horribly injured my best friend with a spork. Um, oh. That's a weird story. <laughs> How was yeah. that? Could that not be a weird story? Yeah. We, uh, I, I had another friend. We used to just steal sporks from Taco Bell. It was like a, a nerdy thing that we did in high school. We'd always, like, no matter what, uh, my friends and I would always have just a shitload of sporks on us at any given time. And one guy realized that you could just take a spork and stab somebody with it as hard as you wanted. But the, the, um, the, the Taco Bell spork, the, the spoon part of it would just, would just break in half. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't actually like, like cut somebody or anything. It would just kind of break off and it would, it would freak somebody out, but it wouldn't hurt. Um, Cause of the, the, the way that the spork is engineered, it would just kind of break away. Um, and so, and so one day, there was just some some guy walking uh, like before uh, we, before theater practice. We were all in Greece, and uh, um, I gave sporks to all of my friends. And I'm like, we're gonna all just Julius Caesar this guy right now with these sporks. And so we all come up and we all come in with the sporks. And you know, if it if it hits like a flat surface or something like that, it's gonna break. But I cut like somebody caught my friend Ben with the spork across like his knuckle or something like that, and just cut him deep. Like it, and it didn't break away because of just the way, you know, just the angle of, uh, of contact or whatever that it made. And it was, it was to the point where like the whole play, like all of our performances, his hand had to be all bandaged up to the point where like he had to make a little joke about it just to, just to be able to be on stage. <laughs> Jesus. It altered the course of Greece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really, it changed, it changed the Greece, but I came up with the line. Cause like he, he played this character, Eugene, who was like the nerd in, mm -hmm. in Greece. And so, uh, so one of the one of the cool greasers was like, "Hey Eugene, what happened to your hand?" And he said, "He goes, paper cut." 
<laughs> I was attacked. I was Julius Caesar by a bunch of sporks. Yeah. <laughs> Which one were you in Greece, Tim? Uh, I was um, Vince Fontaine, the uh, the creepy old radio DJ. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's so, who uh, Michael Rosenbaum always says on his podcast, how he was in the his high school thing of Greece. And uh, yeah, he he was Mike. He was Vince Fontaine as well. That's that's the, the part. That's the part for people who can't sing. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I showed yeah. everybody because I I work for a radio station now. So hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not now not you uh, it'll be any yeah. Now you could say you've shared a role with uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah, so you just have to be Lex Luthor now, Tim. You'll be set. I think that's my that's my next step. <laughs> Yep. So I'm about ready to just shave my head. It's... Or the voice of the Flash. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the like the the whole thing with Forky. Like, I, I at first I was like, okay, I've seen the trailers and it's kind of weird. But like, it, it started off weird, and I'm like, all right, because we talked about it before. Like, so you can just make toys and they come to life. Like, all right, all right, that that's a new sort of development, but whatever we'll go with it but i did laugh pretty hard at the whole like montage of him constantly trying to get back into the trash the, like, the just bailing where, out the, the <laughs> one where he's in the trash using the kleenex as like a blanket and sleeping sound <laughs> <my favorite>. yeah <laughs> and just like just sprinting across like car parks to get to the the rubbish bins with with all the trash in it just like i'm gonna go he's just yeah. hobbling away and just that whole montage, I thought that was pretty funny. So but, <laughs> I like how Woody finally gets through to him by explaining things in terms of trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like then the, he's then he's all for it. He's like, Oh, okay, we gotta go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good to have um it's like you I think it's like you, Jared. Like once like I was sitting there thinking, like, who is it? Who is it? I was it I thought it was Bob Hader, uh, Bill Hader for a bit. And then, yeah, once we figured out it was um, Tony Hale, it was like, oh, of course it is. Because, like, who else to be, like, this neurotic sort of obsessive, you know, weird easily character? Easily manipulated, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, easily manipulated, exactly, yeah, like, perfect. So um, I thought having Key and Peel as Ducky and Bunny was fucking genius. Like, oh. that was – they were great. Like, I love their murder fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> where they're like plush rush yeah <laughs> that, was, that was one of my favorite parts is, and then the end where they, they get was that in the credits where they get really big and are shooting lasers out of the eyes yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and the fire and all yeah. this yeah yeah I loved all that like I thought that was good and you can tell like a lot of that would have, they would have just let those two go in the recording session and then just animated it like yeah. just say whatever you want make it funny and we'll just go with it so <laughs> which is cool but yeah that that sort of the they're like sort of little fantasies it's like what are we going to do well we could do this and then <laughs> like <laughs> jumping out and attacking the old lady <laughs> yeah, when you when you realize it's all the same ending after like the second as the second one's going it's like oh god they're gonna do it again you're yeah. sitting there chuckling away, knowing what's coming. <laughs> and just Buzz's reaction of like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then the other part was, how'd you get the key? Oh, yeah, the flashback <laughs> finally, and it's just, she just puts oh, it right yeah. there. Really hard. It took yeah. a lot of effort. We're really brave. 
<laughs> that almost seems like they had some elaborate like set piece worked out and they're like oh we have to animate all this it's like what if they just drop the key in front of them <laughs> it's like yeah let's just go with that <laughs> so we need another six months animating some some great big scene <laughs> uh i did think it's funny like we spoke about how we sort of got the voices mixed up a bit with with forky but like same with gabby gabby i thought it was drew barrymore for a while but um it's not obviously it's um christina Hendricks, but yeah oh, oh, i didn't thought realize that yeah i had to look it up because i thought it was drew barrymore but it's not um and then i don't know like this, that character seemed a little bit too much like lotso to me from the last from the third one with like the whole motivations of like i'll do anything it takes to like have a, a kid pay attention to me and and be loved again and all this kind of stuff but they did then sort of turn it on its head a little bit because we got like a redemption for for Gabby in a sense where yeah it's a, it does pay off a little differently but yeah for the first sort of half of the movie I was a bit like ah it's, it's, she's a bit of one note we've seen this before but yeah I guess the the big the big shock the big twist with her was that she she was a broken toy like nobody had ever loved her before because she she was defective out of the factory her her voice box always just sounded weird and creepy and nobody likes a creepy doll i guess and and she was just so you know so close to being noticed by the one little girl who comes into the antique shop yeah the, the owner's granddaughter yeah, and, and felt like all that she needed was was to have a working voice box and 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 ultimately like we, you know we we thought that she was going to just like murder woody to get it but she winds up just kind of asking nicely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I did like that they turned it on its head at the end there with like, oh, here it is. Like she's got the voice box and the little girl's going to notice her and off they go. And she's just like, meh, dumps yeah. her back in the box. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, that was, that was, that was cold. Almost, almost as cold as uh, Arctic Combat Carl getting left hanging for all those high fives. Oh, <laughs> that was hilarious too. Yeah. I couldn't stop laughing at that. Like just each time it's like, huh, huh, yeah. huh, high five. And then just the sadness and like the drop yeah. in his stature is like, oh. And I was, I was geeking out when we found out that those guys were all voiced by Carl Weathers. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. The, the real life combat, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I was surprised at that Giggles character as well. I thought when she arrived, I thought, oh, this is going to be annoying, but she was quite funny too. So. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty good. She, um, she was the one who had the thing with E-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the cat spinning her back out was... Rough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, straight away, you think, like, well, something's going to happen there because, yeah. like, they didn't just kill a fucking toy. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But, but, but yeah, she's, no, she's like a Polly Pocket, like an old school Polly Pocket, where she's just like yeah. a, a solid piece of hard plastic. Like she's indestructible. Yeah. yeah. She'd be I mean, coming out one way or the other. Is yeah. that what you're trying right. to say? Yeah, she's, she's, she's getting through that cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she got the better end of the two, I think. Yeah, <laughs> she did. Um, I have to mention the four toys as well that are in Bonnie's uh, closet that never get played with and sort of talk to... Um, woody about you know like oh he's got a dust bunny and all this kind of stuff because the four of them are uh, voiced by four legends in uh carol burnett uh betty white and then of course mel brooks and carl reiner so i mean even for a small little part like that 
to get those four together, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that that's a that's a good little touch, you know. Have a couple legends in there. Yeah. Also, speaking of legends and of uh, voice actors getting fucked over, I noticed in the credits that our girl Tara Strong is credited as additional voices. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So she's <laughs> she's in there somewhere. Yeah. I'm very surprised. Frank Welker's probably in there somewhere as well. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> somewhere. It'd be like a dog or something or a puppy barking in yeah. the background or <laughs> birds chirping or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, those two. I think they're the only two that give zero fucks that, like, quote unquote, like real Hollywood actors are doing voice acting now. Because like Tara Strong and Frank Welker, they're still going to get uh, roles. They're not, yeah, they're, they're, not, <laughs> they're still in every animated movie. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, also, there's the ventriloquist dummy. I forgot the ones. Only did only one of them have a name. It was. Uh, uh, they're all they're all Benson. I think they're, 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 all, all, they're all Benson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they. They look uncannily like one of my roommates from college. <laughs> and it, Jared, you've never met the guy, but it's, I'll, I'll have to show you a picture of him at some point. It's, uh, it's a little too real for me. I'm a little concerned. Yeah. <laughs> they were good. Like he's, he's, not, he's not a creepy looking guy necessarily, but now he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were pretty fucking creepy in the movie. I did like that they had that moment where they. They they leave the uh, the antique shop in the pram and off it goes and tips over and when that one woman thinks like oh it's a baby you know, <laughs> turns it over and it's the one of the Bensons and she's just like ah that was great like, yeah it's exactly what would happen that's, that's another thing that Toy Story has always done well is giving us a couple of these like these horror movie gags that are played for laughs yeah like the first movie with yeah. Sid you know the whole the the toys rising out of the uh, out of the sandpit and even in um, when when they all sort of in, in Sid's room where Woody thinks that they're attacking Buzz, but they actually repair him, all that kind of stuff. It's actually, it's, it's kind of interesting to, that, that this gets worked in because these movies are very much about like um, just about our relationship with, with toys um, and toys do sort of have this capacity to be creepy and have the same kind of uncanny Valley problem that uh, computer animated movies have always had. Where, you know, the more realistic you get with a toy, the reason that baby dolls are creepier than action figures is because yeah. they're, they, you know, they're more human looking. As we approach more realistic, the more we get, like, creeped out by them. Yeah, there's still flashbacks to, you know, child's play. That's that's also in there. Oh, yeah, well. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's Mark Hamill, like, as Chucky. Yeah. Is... I've heard that there's there's been, like, a little... I haven't seen the movie yet, but but... Twitter has sort of come around on it, and people are coming out saying like, "Hey, it's actually good. It's actually worth seeing." I don't know. It's okay. got it's got Aubrey Plaza in it, and that's enough to get me interested. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> because she was in Scott Fucking Pilgrim. Oh mm. God! It always yeah. comes back to you and your favorites. I, I don't. Mars I don't think I. I don't think I do have any Veronica Mars people. <laughs> Christina Hendricks wasn't like a fucking. No, it seems it seems like she was uh, she was very good in Firefly, um, mm. and and Joss Whedon was in Veronica Mars, but that's that's a a, a whole degree Joss of Whedon. separation. Joss Whedon wrote the screenplay for the first Toy Story movie, so no way. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, he's credited as one of the. I think he might have done like the first draft or something like that. But he's yeah, he's credited for the screenplay. So there you go. It all yeah. comes back around. Man, there's, <laughs> but there's I mean, a, there could be. Somebody, we have to speak about. We have to speak about Keanu Reeves because <laughs> the guy is seriously in a fucking major revitalization period yeah. in his career. Like everything he touches at the moment is just gold. So I mean. Duke Kaboom, I mean. The, the Canadian great. stuntman who is yeah. very clearly the uh, ripoff of Evil Knievel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Canadian sure. Evil Knievel. Yeah. <laughs> but just everything he did was like so Keanu. But you could tell through the voice performance that like Keanu gets it. Like he was yeah. like, okay, like there, it's a spoof on me. All right, I'm going to. I'm going to play it up. And like, I thought he was great. I, I really like the, the kid watching the commercial with the Duke Kaboom, trying to make it work with the jump. And we were all like, Oh yeah. Been there. That we know. Uh, we all know how that toy is. You know what? That kid wasn't trying hard enough. Like you'll, you'll get him through that thing. Eventually it's going to take a lot of effort, but you, you know, maybe no, not, you really got to you you yeah. close the gap a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> but I like I was always the type of kid who would play with a toy and I still do like when my kids get toys that don't work very well like we're gonna we're gonna make this thing work and we're not giving up until we do well as Tim's son said today that Tim just plays with his toys and goes on Twitter yeah, this, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to explain my, my, my son has decided that that this movie is too kid friendly he didn't want to see it yeah. and so I was like I was like listen one day you'll be old enough to understand that it's it's very important for grown-ups to see this movie that makes them feel bad about their lost childhoods, <laughs> makes them uh, get, get emotional about these things, and, and 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 by the time you understand, it'll be too late. Yeah. So 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 appreciate it while you can. And he's like he's like you know you, you sit around on the couch and just look at Twitter all day. Like you could be playing with toys all day if you wanted to. Well, I, I think he said you look at Twitter and you play with toys. What? Yeah, you... yeah that's true. I've seen but also really, that's really that's sad. like the biggest the biggest thing I could say to recommend having kids is that you get to sort of you get to play with toys a lot more than than you would otherwise. All those yeah, Lego sets play, and Batman yeah, sets, yeah. Tim gets for his kids. Yep. Yeah. And before long, I'll just have a ponytail and be looking for stuff to sell on eBay. It's just like my my, my kid doesn't want it anymore. But damn it, I'm, I'm I'm too deep into looking through the toddler toys trying to find Plastic Man. We're gonna we're gonna get him one way or another. <laughs> Um, so obviously like we've got all the new characters and we sort of spoke about the general story, but like, I don't know. Do you think that the, the, uh, what do we call them? The, the regulars, the existing characters like Jesse and Buzz and all that. Do you think they sort of got like shortchanged in this movie? Like you, you said before, Jared, like Buzz didn't have a lot to do, but this one was really sort of more of the, the Woody story than as opposed to the, the general toy story stuff. But did, did you think they got enough? play in a sense i thought jesse got her moments but buzz didn't seem to have as much he he, he the the scene where he's going through the uh the carnival and he's he's flying through the air and doing all that stuff and then gets bumped around and bounces down like that was i, I liked fun. his whole his little subplot which was the whole listen to your inner voice thing oh yeah that was where he, he has no idea what, what he's talking about, but then realizes that if he presses a button, he hears his own voice. <laughs> I like that. I did think they sort of maybe overdid it a little bit, but well, it was it was like 
it was a little too on the nose every single time, but that made it funnier, I think, when it just started giving him bad advice. Yeah, that's true. That was good. Yeah. I just thought maybe it was a bit different because in the past movies, like Buzz has always been sort of this, like, you know, he's the, the sort of the, the, the takeoff of like your, your cla- uh, classic sort of Captain Kirk space adventurer who's always got a plan, is always sort of prepared and he's always, he can do all these great feats like jump off this and spin through that and all that. And then in this movie, he kind of just didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, Woody's gone. What do we do? I've no idea. It's like, yeah, Buzz kind of was always leading the other toys when Woody wasn't, wasn't around. So, But in saying that, like it was still fine. Like it, when you when you look at it and realize, like, yeah, but this movie is is sort of the ending for Woody's story. That's it, it, fine. I wasn't sort of like um, too disappointed that we didn't get more bars or any of the others. So. Yeah, and I think you know, you say this was the ending of Woody's story. I really hope it's just the ending of the franchise, like. Oh, they're not going to do Toy Story five without Woody. Like it's it's if they do another one, it'll be all of them. It won't be like just Buzz and the rest of them. But I don't think you can bring Woody back from like into the fold. Like I think that'd be too corny. I think they're it would take a lot for their paths to cross again somehow. But these mm. these chance meetups, you know, seem to happen a lot. I mean, Woody finding Bo Peep again was a was a real long shot, but. Yeah, that's why I don't think you can do that again. You get it this time, you don't again. And it was one of those, like, it's not even just that it was another Bo Peep. Oh, yeah, it was the same. It was the same one. Like, that's even a little bit of more of a stretch. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, it would have been pretty weird if it was just, like, a different Bo Peep and Woody's got all these feelings. And she's like, dude, I've never met you before. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm, I'm all over again. Getting it. Yeah. <laughs> he has the, the, the Star-Lord problem. <laughs> One of the Star-Lord problems. She um, just kicks him in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in, in hindsight, I would have left it at three. But in saying that, like four was still a worthy entry to the series. And I don't really have any problems with it. Like it might have been a little disappointing, but... Not to the sense that it was like you know bad or I would like critique it or anything. I still think it was pretty good. It was, I thought it was just it was so thoroughly enjoyable that it's hard to it's hard to sit there and question whether or not it's necessary, which is something that Disney seems to be doing well when they make a lot of unnecessary movies lately. I, I say this about the Jungle Book all the time that like there was like there was no reason that we needed that mm. movie, the the live action Jungle Book, which is directed by uh, John John Favreau who. Um, you know, who brought us Iron Man and, and all this other stuff. He's so money. Um, <laughs> Zathura. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Zathura. <laughs> I th- was that his directorial debut? I think or it did, was, yeah. 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 Um, yeah Although but, there's talk that he he kind of directed Swingers, they reckon. A bit I, in, the same, in the same sense that Stallone essentially directed the first Rocky. Yeah, you get, sort of, you get that sense about him. Also, also, he's clearly the Vince Vaughn whisperer. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but that that Jungle Book movie is great, and uh, you know people seem to be having the reaction to the new Aladdin movie. We Jared and I had a Lyft driver on the way home from brunch the other day. Uh, we sound like we live in Los Angeles, but yeah, this guy I, this guy would not like he like he was 
all in on Aladdin. This was this like total bro who's like getting ready to move to Maui and telling and, us about all his problems with women. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a, a heck of a conversation, but it, but it was somehow a twenty minute car ride. Somehow it turned to Aladdin, and he was just he was so all about the new Aladdin. Uh, so <laughs> you know, of course, Jared and I have to go see it now. No, nah, I'm good. All right, <laughs> the, the kids and I have to go see it now. I, I think looking at Derek's Twitter, I may have just figured out why they keep doing these Toy Story movies because they're somehow selling two Green Army men for Toy Story Four. They, with parachutes, they weren't even in it for eight dollars. Yeah, those, those characters aren't even in the movie. No, yeah, they're they, not. They're not in the movie. And I remember when you could get those for like twenty five cents a piece. Well, that's that's the other thing. People are like, why why am I supposed to pay ten dollars for a Forky toy? No, it's thirty. With, it's somebody wait, responded to Derek no. with a thirty dollar Forky a toy. Thirty dollar Forky. Yeah. Wow. I what they're worth here? Let yeah. Look. Thirty dollar Forky at Target. And it, this one speaks. It says 15 things, but ridiculous. And then she, the same person who responded to Derek that said uh, that they were also uh, $90 hoodies and $90 buzzes. I mean, we've, we've gotten to the point where we have the technology to make Buzz Lightyear do all of the things that Buzz could do in the original Toy Story. Well, he... Like, he- when that movie came out, though, that was like the, the Tickle Me Elmo thing. Like, the Buzz Lightyear was was sort of sold out everywhere but it my friend bought one and it 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 um did everything it had the wings and it had the buttons and everything so yeah, i mean it was pretty yeah i guess i guess that's true it, did, it, it was it was pretty of its time now oh you can God. make it you might be able to it make just, it as a drone now <laughs> just about time yeah. buzz like you're looking really fly. just looking up toy story forky toys here to see how expensive they were and there's one here that's 49 dollars <laughs> wow! And then there's a Toy Story four Forky child costume for twenty four dollars, and it is the creepiest fucking thing I've ever seen. Oh, I know what my Jesus kids are gonna be for Halloween. Christ! <laughs> oh, fucking! Just, I want the whole family to be Forky. Send that to you guys. That is fucked up. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> show, 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 show me this costume. What, what the fuck? No! Oh my god! No! Oh! Oh! Oh my oh. god! Yeah, cannot be unseen. Jesus oh, Christ. My fucking yeah. nightmares. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to... This this is no, going to be a Halloween to remember. Everybody, costume. is there is there a, a big and tall adult costume? Because that is that is what I want to be for Halloween. Oh, my God. That's the scariest thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, let's that get away like from that. But that yeah, looks like do it's going to be the next Bray Wyatt Jesus. Do you guys have a favorite movie of the four? I, it's, I mean, it's it's got to be the original. Yeah, that's kind of that one stands out the most in yeah. my mind, other than the one we saw today. Yeah, I, I, have, I sure have a lot of recency bias towards towards the one we saw today. I, but even I wouldn't it's, put but, that above yeah. the first one. Like, well, not above the first one, no. But but uh, yeah, and 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 three, I I still have all this rage about it. Randy fucking <laughs> Newman. Jesus Christ. The things you get. You just, you just outro us with a garbage truck from the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack. It's so good. So good. Um, oh, also, uh, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to tell everybody that I, I once was at a Six Flags where there was a skunk loose in the park. And it, it was an incredible experience. 
because there's like like a team of like eight security guards who have like established a perimeter around around the skunk and they have to move with it and make sure no one goes near the skunk as the skunk makes its way through the park. <laughs> so when I when I saw Bo Peep's uh, skunk mobile, that was it was just incredible. Do you think she killed a skunk? You think she just murdered a skunk? <laughs> and, and skin, skin over the top. Skinned it because where do you get a skunk skin to put on a on a remote control car? Uh, like she's the combat Carls. Oh, the, the combat Carls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if it was a toy skunk? Whoa. Yeah. Well, actually, if you think about it, like RC has a personality. He's a living toy. But this mm. is a remote control car. There's there's a lot to unpack there, man. Nobody <laughs> nobody's asking the right questions about the skunk. <laughs> All right. Well, one final thing I had for you guys was I just wanted to see what you thought about like the legacy of Toy Story and what you think it would sort of what it'll go down in history as as far as uh, like the first movie and, and even the series in general. I think it's going to go down as one of the most influential animated movies we ever had. Like, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, the influence of the animation, the CGI on the whole, you know, animated movie industry is just huge. And there's no way, there's no way to undersell what Toy Story accomplished because it took everyone else Walt Disney Studios included, it took them like a decade or more to even get to the point where Toy Story was back in 1995. And, and Disney eventually gave up and just bought Pixar. They did. Well, and, and, but then they, they finally made Tangled, which is like the most expensive animated movie ever made because, they, because it was so hard for them to get it right. Yeah. They basically they made an entire Rapunzel movie that they, that they scrapped at the last minute because they decided that it wasn't it wasn't the direction that they wanted to go or it wasn't going to appeal to the audience that they wanted and and started over and finally got tangled which which totally deserves its uh academy award that mandy moore got for best song uh, <laughs> no arguments there um but but for walt disney students catch up for you know for some of these these other uh, these other companies like there's there's just like they can't tell stories like Pixar does. There's, there, you know, there have been recent years where we've gotten just so many good computer animated movies all in a row, and like Disney Studios is doing a good job with, uh, with movies like Frozen and Moana, um, and you get some decent ones out of DreamWorks, like the How to Train Your Dragon movies um, and Trolls, and then you get the the Illumination movies with the minions and stuff like that that don't quite. Mm. You know that they're they're, they're entertaining they're okay, entertaining they're enough like for what they are, but classics. Yeah. yeah, they're not. Yeah, they don't. Uh... I think Shrek probably had the closest, um, like non Pixar Disney. Yeah, um, but series. I, I think Shrek was probably closest to being sort of the most accepted and praised. But and I don't then, think the Shrek movies. Yeah, they they they're not. They don't hold up as well, and I don't think. Like I don't think my kids have ever seen Shrek, and I think if I tried to put that on now, they'd be like, "What, what the fuck are you doing to us? Why yeah. can't, why can't we just go back to watching the Boss Baby cartoons on Netflix?" What, what is a Mike Myers? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to the beginning, and I'll show them Wayne's World, and they're not going to understand that either. But you, you've got to take it all the way to the end if you commit to that. That's right. You have to end at Love Guru. <laughs> We're going to watch the Love Guru. 
It's going to happen. Uh, We're going to watch Studio 54. So I killed an ex murderer. No, was it so I married an ex murderer? Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it on the um, the pitfalls of Mike Myers' career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in the meantime, you can follow us all on Twitter at unfunnynTangent. Tim is at Tim Agni. Jared is at superdue 75 And I'm at GregT13. Uh, you can head over to. Oh, of course. Uh, sorry, all roads lead to at the Steel Cage, and you can head over to the SteelCageShop.com, where Mon Milfma is waiting for you to purchase. And not to mention the new assistant to the champion shirt, which is sure to be a crowd pleaser. <laughs> oh, Chef's kiss, <laughs> assistant yeah, yes. to the champion. Nothing <laughs> brought me more joy than revealing that shirt live on the podcast <laughs> the other day to Derek. Like that was so oh so delightful. <laughs> uh, also listeners if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts we'd appreciate it and we'll be sure to read it on the show but until next time this has been episode 79 of Unfunny Nerd Tangent my name is Greg and for Jared and Tim thanks so much for listening and remember kids to infinity and beyond I got